This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Fitz goes up and makes the game-winning catch! Larry Legend does it again! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown! Oh, baby! How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Mike Jarecki, and Bertrand Berry. So the one thing we've learned over the years here on the show, and we've learned a lot, but one thing in particular... Bertram Berry knows what he's talking about, especially when it comes to defense. We'll give B-Train his due a bit later when we discuss Super Bowl 55 because, yes, defense does win championships. But B-Train, we're going to start with what we like to talk about, and that is quarterback play. Because you also you have to admit, B-Train, you also have to have a reliable, capable, solid quarterback in order to win in the National Football League. At least give us that, correct? Without question. And I think having a quarterback that started his 10th Super Bowl definitely gives you a chance to win. And uh, we saw how that played out, and we'll definitely get into that as the show goes on. And let's hope that Kyler Murray is on that pace, or at least on that road of a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes. These quarterbacks, MJ, that we have seen now late in the postseason, not just in the Super Bowl, but during championship Sunday. And Murray going into year three. He has some things that he needs to work on, yet he does have this, and his resume continues to grow as far as the awards that he continues to receive. And he got another one on Saturday nights at NFL Honors, the league's annual awards show. In fact, he and DeAndre Hopkins combining, we know about it, we've talked about it, the Hale Murray. It was named the 2020 Bridgestone Clutch Performance Play of the Year. And I know our Kyle, uh, our colleague Kyle Odegaard uh, doesn't believe in clutch, MJ, but uh, you cannot discount and you cannot argue just what that play meant, not only to the Cardinals, but I think the entire NFL, the Hale Murray to beat the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, definitely worthy. Um, between that and the DK Metcalf, uh, Buda Baker play, I thought they were in the top two. And, you know, but at the end of the day, I think they would trade all these awards in to get to the postseason. And, you know, the proof's going to be in the pudding going into his third year. Um, he's saying all the right things. I think he realizes that you just can't step on the field uh, considering how su- successful he was in high school and college. It's a different game. It's a lot faster. Uh, defenses are obviously trying to stop him. So it's going to be a, a big off season for a lot of guys. Uh, but going into year three, we can just look at Baker Mayfield, You know what he did with the new coach and Kevin Stefanski. Uh, you look at Patrick Mahomes, what he did after sitting a year, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, even Jared Goff. And so the number year number three is going to be a big uh, you know jump for Kyler Murray, and, and hopefully they can add some more playmakers around him because he can't do it alone. And the Cardinals coming off an eight and eight season—that's five hundred. We know that it's getting to nine, ten, eleven wins, getting to the postseason. And the word that Murray used during his number of appearances during Super Bowl week was consistency, doing everything every day the right way, not just on game day. In fact, he brought it up a lot when he was on the Pat McAfee show. 
there was this like just you just didn't know which team you were getting and i think that comes down to you know us being inconsistent and for me i think it's, it starts with the little things I've, I've said it before organizations that win they do everything right they do everything the right way um the attention to detail um the small things like i've said how you do anything is how you do everything and i think we got to get to the point where we do everything the right way and we don't take any of that stuff for granted and i think that'll you know kind of change the narrative or the, the feel around the organization and B-Train, it's one thing for us or the fans to talk about, hey, you know, we didn't know what we were going to see when the Cardinals took the field on a particular Sunday. It's another thing when it's a player on that team, and even more so when it's the quarterback of that team. What we saw is the exact same feeling that apparently Kyler Murray had. And, and that's reassuring. It, it kind of lets you know that the fan base and the team is on the same page and, and what you're seeing with your eyes you can truly believe. And so – uh, everybody knows that there's work to be done. Everybody knows if you didn't play in the Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl, you fell short of your goals. And the time now is to to get yourself ready to start putting in the work to to get yourself ready for Super Bowl 56. And, and once you uh, commit to that, then it's, it's full speed ahead. And, and I know that the team will do everything that they can. And, of course, we know the fans will be ready to cheer their hearts out whenever the season starts. So, Everybody's got to do their part, and, and now it's just that, 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 that building process that we all look forward to. You know, when I look back at the season, uh, two words come to mind, progress, considering they won eight games and they won eight games uh, the previous two years combined. And then he's, the word I would use, inconsistency. That was across the board. Offense, defense, um, uh, penalties. You know, we always can second-guess play calling, but that's got to get a lot better in this upcoming season. And those teams that do make it to the postseason, that do advance far in the postseason, you're not having these questions. Yeah, you might have a dud of a performance, but nine times out of ten, you're going to play solidly. And if you do fall short, it's just because, well, sometimes the other team played better than you that particular day. Yeah, and he was the first to admit that when they stepped on the field against Carolina, they were flat. Uh, coming off a Lions loss, which they should have won. I mean, now you're talking three and zero, and then you go to Carolina. You're not going to win every game, especially with a new coach and you know their new defensive coordinator. Where uh, they were in college, they kind of figured out Kyler Murray in that game. But he was the first to admit that. And as a leader and a starting quarterback, you know that can't happen. You know, um, and I, I like I said, I, I am I'm impressed the way he realizes the game's humbled him a little bit, and it humbles everyone. I'm sure the Chiefs are humbled today. Um, it, it happens, so he can't do it alone, and, that, and that's why I, I like what he's saying, but now the proof's in the pudding. He's got to prove it. We hear a lot, B-Train, that you have to learn how to win, but you also have to learn how to be a pro, and I think for some players maybe that learning curve is maybe not as steep for others, but figuring out what it takes to be successful on Sundays at this level. Everybody has their own development. Everybody learns at their own pace, and everybody – uh, figures it out at their own time. So it, it's not where it's, it's you're supposed to figure it out in, in so many weeks or in a month's time you should have it all figured out. Everybody learns how this game is played and, and how to, to, to work the business of the game at their own speed. And, and sometimes uh, those things are mutually exclusive. I mean, sometimes, you know, people don't figure out the business part until they're out of the league. Sometimes – Guys don't figure out the speed of the game until, you know, they're, they're towards the end of their career. So there's always that, that, that learning curve that everybody is, is uh, obligated to go under. And, and, and some guys, uh, just like any other 
avenue of life. You know, some people learn faster than others, and, and hopefully uh, this team's learning curve will, will be much faster than most. Learning or trying to figure out that consistency, being a solid team, not just individuals, but a team every single week. It's something Antoine Bethay, the former Arizona Cardinal, talked last week on the Big Red Rage about. I think it just comes with the growth, the growth of the guys on the field, um, the growth of the team. They were playing some good ball, one of those teams to be reckoned with in the NFC, but it would be one week it will be a low, and then the next week they'll play well. So I just think it comes with guys playing together more, and a lot of times just attention to detail. Um, you know, A lot of times it comes down to like four plays of the game and being on the other side or, or the right side of those four plays. Something that Kyler Murray talked about, and it's good to hear a veteran and Bethay bring it up as well. Now, MJ, as you said, it's about doing it and actually putting in that work, not just talking about it here in February. Speaking of talk, as we get closer and closer to the start of free agency, March 17th is the date. Cardinals have 28 unrestricted free agents. We'll get into one in our next segment, but there was a report earlier this week talking about Patrick Peterson and the fact that the Cardinals and Peterson were ready to move on. Well, that is not the case. In the words of Peterson himself, his All Things Covered podcast released earlier today, said, quote, honestly, there is no real update. Me and the team haven't talked anything about contracts, haven't talked about parting ways. That's just what it is. It's a dirty rumor. Yeah, I mean, uh, unless it comes from Schefter or Rappaport or some of these national guys, I I don't even know who the guy that reported that. you know, you look at a name on paper and you're thinking, wow, he's available. Um, at this point in time, I mean, this is just me guessing out loud. Uh, they let him test the waters and they find out what he's worth. And then does he come back to the Cardinals? I mean, uh, you know, once you allow him to start talking to teams, there's a possibility you could lose him. He's maintained he would like to be here, but he's going to be a free agent for the first time. So um, I, it, it wouldn't be uh, any best interest for anybody to say we're not bringing him back. You, you keep this thing going, and the worst case, in it, case scenario would be if he does decide to go elsewhere, you get a third-round pick possibly and a compensatory pick next year. But um, I, I didn't put any uh, stock in that report. And, B-Train, we're going to hear a lot of these kind of reports because now we're getting into, if you will, the silly season, closing in on that season where there are going to be a lot of reports, a lot of rumors out there, and we just kind of have to wait until we get things official. This is how the NFL is relevant when they don't even play games on the field. You, you put a few rumors out there and people start to talk about it. And, and of course, you, you, you talk about the bigger names. You don't say stuff like that about guys that aren't necessarily starters or, or big names in the NFL. Otherwise, it wouldn't have traction. It wouldn't be able to sustain the offseason. So uh, this is all part of the design. And I feel like in a, in a few weeks, this will all play itself out. And, and what's really true will, will come to light. And, and what was just... Uh, talk to to keep the biz, keep the buzz going. Uh, that that will be exposed too. So uh, you, you have to give it a, a little time to to decompress and, and everybody to just kind of calm down and let everything work itself out. It's why the NFL has become now a 365 day sport. I mean, you have to pay attention every single month. It's not just the regular season, postseason, and all right, we'll talk to you come training camp. MJ, there is something every single day it seems when it comes to the National Football League, and now specifically around this time when it certainly centers specifically on player movement. 
Yeah, I mean, usually, you know, when you're knocked out of the playoffs, you do some self-evaluation, you have your exit physicals and, and interviews, and then, you know, the coaches get a little time off. Obviously, they've been grinding throughout the season. But once the Super Bowl's over, I mean, you can re-sign your own players right now. And if players are going to get released, like a couple of years ago, Robert Alford, he decided to sign before free agency started. So you're going to see player movement over the next month or so as we get closer to March 17th. But you can re-sign your own players. And and if you're a guy like Hassan Reddick, you know what you should say? I'll wait for free agency, you know, unless the Cardinals are making him an offer where he can't refuse. But you're going to see player movement now. Uh, you know, you got seven new head coaches. Uh, but now it's about getting better on paper, meaning – what do you have to address your needs? Does it come in free agency? Does it come in the draft? Does it come via trades? So all 32 teams, even the team that won the Super Bowl, they're, they're going to you know have a nice little party here for the next couple of weeks, but they're all going to be gearing up to get better because we know next season is going to be different from this previous season. Oh, and remember, a year ago at this time, D.J. Humphreys was scheduled to become an unrestricted free agent. He chose to re-sign ahead of free agency. We'll see if any of the Cardinals 28 unrestricted free agents decide to do just that. One in particular we know, we hope, we'll hear from soon. And that would be one Larry Fitzgerald. We'll talk about number 11 coming up in our next segment. Bird Gang, update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The app features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com app for more. We know Larry Fitzgerald will not wear another or a different colored uniform other than the Arizona Cardinals. But will he wear one in 2021? That's straight ahead as we continue here on this Tuesday. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Trips left, single receiver right, second and goal on the 15th. Snap to Murray, play action pass. Murray in trouble in the pocket, rolls to the left, now throws left side of the end zone, and oh my goodness, Larry Fitzgerald caught it for a touchdown. His first touchdown of the year, and it's vintage Fitz. Falling backwards with a defender screening him. He probably can't even see the ball until it hits him in his hands, and the Cardinals get a touch. Larry Fitzgerald, don't know how many more times we're gonna get to watch him here at State Farm Stadium. Take every one of those in. That's right, Dave Hash. We do not know. That was the first and only touchdown catch in this just completed season for Larry Fitzgerald. Career touchdown number 121 for Larry Fitzgerald. The question, though, is, MJ, will there be 122, 123, 124? We do not know. And this is, I think, now the time where we should expect to hear something because if you look back over the last half dozen years, it's either mid-January or mid-February in which Fitz has made his decision whether to come back. And so far, it's always been, yes, I'm coming back for at least one more season. Yeah, I mean, he's enjoying life. He looks like he was at the Suns game last night. Uh, and then he was uh, at the Super Bowl working for Westwood One. He was at the Pro-Am last week at the Phoenix Open, uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open. Yeah, I mean, uh, something we discussed on Cards Cover 2. I mean, it, if Larry wants to take as enough time as he needs, I would think the organization. Cliff was very consistent. It's going to take some time. He's got a lot of things to think about. But from a steam, team standpoint, I think they have to know at some point. I mean, is Larry going to – this is hypothetical. Let's say he decides in June. Okay, well – they have to worry about the draft. They have to worry about free agency. How do they split up the pie when it comes to paying the wide receivers? So, um, again, I, I 
initially I thought maybe it would be his last year, but um, he's obviously taken his time, and so we'll just have to wait and see. I've been pretty adamant, B-Trend, that I don't want to see Fitz leave, at least not like this, not without fans in the stands, and then obviously with him on the sidelines for that Week 17 game at the Rams. It's obviously his decision. He's going to do what he feels is best for him. The last time we did hear from Larry Fitzgerald was during this past week uh, during the Waste Management Phoenix Open said he's got no timetable, is actually feeling good. They groin injury that kept him out of that final game feeling better. He's able to swing a golf club, which I know he likes to do on a consistent basis. So uh, I personally would like to see him return, and I do think he can still be effective in this Cardinals offense. Uh, we can just all be honest. We're selfish. We want to see Larry play as long as we possibly can, and we love him. We think the world of him. He's been nothing but great as far as representing this organization, representing himself and his family, and so he's just a guy that people cheer for and want to see succeed, and, and the fact that he doesn't have a Super Bowl ring when you just saw Tom Brady get his seventh, you, there's a sentimental aspect of this, that you, you want to see a guy that has been so great for so long and done so many good things in the community as well as in the league, you want to see a guy like that rewarded with a championship. And, and we're going to all want to speculate and, and, and uh, wish Larry would, would play one more and, and, and hope that the team would, would build a winner. Uh, but it ultimately is up to Larry Fitzgerald. It's an individual decision that only he knows when it's time, and, and we're just going to have to play the waiting game until he's ready to share with the world what he intends to do. Well said. Um, you know, people always ask me, why do you think he would come back? And I, and I don't know if it has to do the way he ended the season. He wasn't able to play the COVID. Um, I don't think he really enjoyed the season. Just he was he was being phased out. Um, and maybe he's waiting to see what kind of moves they make. But that's going to happen after March 17th. Um, so you, you just wonder, besides what B-Train's saying, and mentally he's got to make sure, and the fact that the body heals like every time after the season. But – you know, I, I have no idea what his deciding factor. I don't. I mean, player personnel obviously, you know, he has no control of. But you know, if you put more talent on this team, they got a better option of getting further. And I think that's the only. Re- okay, I can bottom line this. The only reason he's playing is he wants to get back to the postseason. Yeah, look, Father Time is undefeated and fits as much as we would like him to play forever. He can't, and every player faces this decision. More from Antoine Bethea, guest last week on the Big Red Rage, talked with Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley about his decision and what Fitz might be thinking about with regard to that R word. He's a future Hall of Famer, so like when he goes out there in between those white lines, he has a, a standard that he set for himself. This is how I need to look on Sunday, and if he feels as though he can't give the Cardinals that, you know, that might be another thing that he's thinking about. B-Train, take me back and take everyone back to when you had to make that decision. You obviously didn't take as long as Larry Fitzgerald has. You made your announcements on the Big Red Rage, your show for so many years. But the thinking and the decision for you, how personal, and go as far as you want with this, but as far as when you knew that, you know what, this is it for me. Well, the, the great thing about my decision was I, I didn't feel any pressure. I didn't have to make a decision. I still could have played. I felt like I still had some, some juice left in the tank, and that's how I wanted to go out. I remember being out of the league for a year back in 2000, and, and, and I, I never wanted to experience that type of pain again. So I put myself in a position, and I was fortunate to where when I made that decision midseason in '09, uh, I made it with a clear conscience, knowing that I – on my own terms, and 
I can leave knowing that I can still do it. And and that's how I wanted to go out. And some guys want to exhaust every athletic ounce they have in their body. Uh, I wanted to, to, to have a little bit left to play with my children. I wanted to have a little bit left to enjoy life and, and not use all the, the money and, and, and all the things that I've earned to, to go to medical bills. So I wanted to have something that I could, uh, in, that I could have to enjoy for myself. And um, when I made that decision, I believe it was, it was mid-October. I woke up one day, uh, Craig and, and Mike, and I just said to myself, you know, this feels more like work. And when it starts to feel like work, then it's time to move on because football is a great, great job to have for, for a little while. And, and we were all very blessed and fortunate that have played in this league to, to have had that opportunity. And, and I look back on my career with great fondness and, and lots of uh, great friendships and, and lots of great people uh, were a part of it and, and helped me get to what I was able to get to. And, and when I walked away, I walked away with a clear conscience knowing that I experienced everything that the league could give and I had a little bit of success and you don't stick around 12, 13 years uh, by being a guy that, that can't get it done. So uh, I was very satisfied. And to do it on that show that meant so much to me, uh, that was just icing on the cake. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're Larry, one thing we know, he's an instigator. Um, he's well-beloved in that locker room. Um, he loves the, the camaraderie. He loves the process. He loves playing on game day. So there's a lot of factors that would, would be pulling at his heartstrings, you would think, just from a, if, if this is it, um, all, this, all that would go away. And, and again, he's, he'll make the decision when he believes in, but um, I guess we'll find out sooner rather than later. And I think when we do find out if he is willing to go in depth as far as if this is it, you know, what led him to this decision, because B-Train brought it up where he felt like this was no longer fun. It was work and something similar. And Juan Bethea, again, sharing what he knew it was time to retire last week on the Big Red Rage. It wasn't when I was playing, but it was mornings when the alarm clock went off <laughs> and I didn't want to go in the building. That last year in, in New York, I don't know what it was, man. When some, some mornings when that alarm clock went off, I did not want to go in the building. That's when I kind of started to think about, like, you know, it, it may be that time. Sound familiar, B-Train? Sounds very familiar to me. And, again, when you are waking up on Monday mornings after a game, you do the diagnostic check. You check, okay, is my head okay? Check. Are my arms okay? Check. And my fingers okay? Check. Are my hips okay? Check. Are my knees okay? Check. Are my are my ankles okay? Check. Are the toes okay? You do that diagnostic every single Monday, and it depends on how sore you are. You, you don't want to make any rush decisions, but I'm telling you, that day in 2009, I knew in, in, in mid-October that, yeah, I don't want to feel like this anymore, and, and I've, I've accomplished enough. Uh, to be quite frank, I checked the bank account. That was okay, too. And so once I figured all of those things were in check, then I said, okay, maybe it's time to, to figure out something else to do in order to, to keep my time occupied. Well, he, him playing in New York and, and the alarm clock's going off, he looks outside and it's snowing. I mean, that's, that's not good on the body and the bones. At least in Arizona, you feel better when you're in the sun. By the way, B-Train, I'm looking at your uh, game log here, and uh, you finished out your career December 6th against the Vikings with two sacks, and then that final game against St. Louis, a home game, December 27, 2009. You had a sack in a Cardinals 31-10 win over the then St. Louis Rams. 65 career sacks for one Bertrand Berry. 
We have hit wider style, Fred. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> make them wanting more. I get it. We have hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. When we come back, we hype up and prop up B Train even more when we get into Super Bowl Fifty Five discussion next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. about this in a world turned upside down by pandemic in a year where everything has been different one thing remains the same tom brady is a super bowl champion again for the record-setting seventh time the tampa bay buccaneers are super bowl 55 champions led by tom brady absolutely a player for the ages we've just hit zeros and it's over the Buccaneers have beaten the defending champion Chiefs 31-9. More Super Bowl championships than any franchise in NFL history. One single player. Tom Brady leading the Buccaneers past the Chiefs. Kevin Harlan on Westwood 1. As we welcome you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report, Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry, the final game uh, 2020 game number 269 and a tip of the cap to the NFL for getting through a season without any games postponed yes there were some bumps in the road but the season completed and now we look forward to 2021 but as promised we need to give credit where credit is due and yes we talk a lot of offense we talk a lot about quarterback play and skilled position players but the bottom line it is cliche be trained yes offense wins games but defense wins championships Tom Brady deserves a lot of credit, but the secondary story here, maybe even 1B, if you had to give a second MVP award, it would be, in my opinion, to defensive coordinator Todd Bowles for what he was able to do and his unit shutting down a Chiefs team. It was very impressive to see what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were able to do. And, and remember, we talked about not having the tackles, the two starting tackles for the Kansas City Chiefs, Well, that played out in that game and, and of course, the defense and, and how they were flying around and, and making a lot of plays, uh, they really kept Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable all game long. And, and of course, there's so many stats that back that up. But the, the, the moral of the story is when you start talking about championships, uh, even with the great Tom Brady, he never played on one of those championship teams without a top 10 defense. Just think about that for a second. As great as he is, he still needed that other side of the ball to come along with him to make sure that they had his back. And so uh, the, the formula is, 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 is laid out there. It's plain as day. And I think for, for Coach Arians and the rest of that coaching staff, uh, Coach Bowles in particular, uh, they did a, a wonderful job of, of, of neutralizing what the Kansas City Chiefs wanted to do and uh, playing for, for, for all the marbles. Uh, those guys went out and executed above and beyond, and so uh, they deserve a lot of credit, and, and that's why they sit today as champions of the NFL. You know, I think it's important to go back to Week 12 because we know that the Chiefs, you know, they got out to a huge lead. The game was a little bit closer in the fourth quarter, but yards after catch, that was an issue between Travis Kelsey and, and obviously Tyreek uh, Hill. And, you know, a lot of times you play that that high coverage, which are two safeties, you know, are going to eliminate the deep ball. But they were a really good tackling team, starting with Devin White. The guy's only 22 years old, and you got Levante David. But B-Train's right. I'm sure those guys were licking their chops knowing they were going against the backups. But losing to the Chiefs 
earlier in the season could have been a blessing in disguise because Todd had studied them, and obviously when you get two weeks for the Super Bowl, they had a different game plan. And advantage, the Buccaneers, Todd Bowles. Well, what does he like to do, talking about Todd Bowles? He likes to bring pressure. He likes to blitz. And I think, B-Train, the number was maybe four blitzes, maybe five at the most. But Patrick Mahomes was pressured a Super Bowl record 29 times with just four guys, which now allows you as a defense to have seven in coverage. And I just don't want Mahomes didn't have the time. And then when he did, he had no one open to throw the ball to. Well, we, we know that that's a winning formula. Tom Brady, of all people, knows that uh, that's a winning formula because the last three times he's lost the Super Bowl, it's been due to that formula. Four guys up front could get after him. And he knew that uh, with those backup tackles in there, that, that uh, Jason Pierre-Paul and, 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 and that defensive line, Dominican Sue and all the other characters, they, they were going to lick their chops up, and they never let Patrick Mahomes get comfortable. Think about this. He had to scramble and run for 497 yards before he threw a pass. You know how tiring and exhausting that is? That is absolute domination. That is keeping a guy uncomfortable to the max. And and in comparison, Tom Brady only had to run 37 yards to throw a pass in the entire game. So uh, it was the tale of two teams. uh, What Todd Bowles was able to do and change up what he had originally done in that first meeting and, and learned from his mistake, uh, you just have to give them a lot of credit. They, they did what they needed to do. Uh, the Chiefs could not figure out what they were trying to do, and, and abandoning the run was a big mistake, but that's the story for another day. But uh, you, you give the Buccaneers all the credit in the world. Yeah, and, you know, Todd was doing a lot of uh, media, obviously, being in the, in the championship game, being uh, the Super Bowl and being the defensive quarter, and he said that, you know, after that game in Week 12, that secondary got humbled. And the veteran guys got on him. Levante David, even though he's only 22, Devin White, JPP, Sue, I mean, uh, Barrett. Uh, so they're, but they they were humbled in that game because they just thought they had to step on the field. But obviously, and in, in going against Brady in practice every day, that only helps him. But you brought up a point earlier. You look at that secondary as a whole. Carlton Davis, second-round pick. He's 6'1", only 24 years old. And, and uh, Antoine Winfield. Uh, I remember watching his father, 22 years old, Whitehead 23, Dean 24, and then Sean Murphy Bunting, he's 23. And what they did a really good job and give Jason Light, in the offseason they added Brady, Gronk, um, they brought in Fournette, and he, he was inactive for a few games, and then they bring in Antonio Brown. I mean, you got to give Jason Light credit. Look at that draft in that secondary, and the guys they brought in all had – Uh, a hand in it when it came to the Super Bowl. Yeah, the four touchdowns that were scored were by players that were not on the Buccaneers the season prior. Rob Gronkowski had two, Antonio Brown one, and then you brought up Leonard Fournette with the touchdown run on the ground. And, yes, it was a magnificent performance by the Buccaneers' offense, defense, and special teams, but certainly defensively shutting down that Kansas City offense. There was also defense played by the Super Bowl security staff. For those that might have missed it, well, we'll just let Kevin Harlan do what he does best, and that is provide a, some play-by-play of someone who was, uh, well, let's just say, um, not authorized to be on the field. Five oh three to go. Someone has run on the field. Some guy with a bra. And now he's not being chased. He's running down the middle of the 40. 
arms in the air in a victory salute. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20, down the middle, the 10, the 5. He slides at the 1, and they converge on him at the goal line. And the players with hands on hips at the other end of the field are looking at him and shaking their head and saying, why, oh, why is this taking place in a Super Bowl? Probably asking themselves why you just didn't go into the end zone and score. Why stop at the one? I mean, you don't stop at the goal line. You get all the way across. I mean, because he does so many national games, Kevin Harlan's perfect on these play-by-play when you have a streaker. <laughs> now, there, there is a backstory to this. He bet 50000 on a prop bet at seven fifty. And there will be a streaker in the Super Bowl. So his buddy went first to diverse, and he didn't get caught as quickly as his friend. It cost him $1,000 to get out of jail, and supposedly he's got 374000 now. Yeah, well, I'm sure that will be investigated <laughs> as well. But it's certainly always, uh, you know, big moments, and you have these uh, unbelievable uh, situations that play out. B-Train, you ever have a, a streaker run out on the field, whether high school, college, or uh, in the NFL while you played? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, I did, and and rest assured, he got the business end of a tackle, and and uh, he uh, he wasn't the most uh, well built gentleman in the world, and uh, we'll just leave that right there. Uh, it was awfully cold to that gentleman, and I'll just leave that right there. But uh, yeah, he 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 made it a few steps, and and uh, it, it didn't end well for him. We'll just say that uh, it wasn't a good look, uh, physically, metaphorically, however you want to call it. It's it's actually kind of funny when the security guards, you know, they're not they don't think they have to chase anybody. He's got to make sure you don't get on the field. But you know, one of those guys you could tell played football. Just the way they tackle them, I mean, they they lay them out. So I I kind of enjoy that. If you're going to put yourself in that spot, I don't mind you uh, getting roughed up a little bit. And you know that the players, I'm sure that their instinct would be, hey, I'm, let me go help. And then you're like, stay back away. Off. It's like, no, 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 we just players don't know. just stand there. But you don't know what they've got oh, or what their intentions are. So it's best to let the professionals handle it. Yeah, but can, uh, can you imagine the officials running after him? <laughs> Hey, 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 fellas, can we can we just say this uh, and, and be real honest? Uh, that was probably the most exciting thing that happened in that Super Bowl. I mean, we're really going to be honest. I mean, you know, there wasn't much action. Uh, it left a lot to be desired, Super Bowl 50, 54, 55, I'm just saying. That, that is true, and the uh, television ratings reflect that as well. Of course, if you're a Tampa Bay fan, you certainly love the outcome and the fact that the legacy, not that he needed it any, but uh, Tom Brady now seven Super Bowls, five Super Bowl MVPs. B-Train, can you put into words any more that needs to be said about someone that oh by the way um he's not done he will play this coming season he is the best uh, if there was any debate about best winner in team sports history i think he settled all of that by winning his seventh and uh that's one more than michael jordan uh it's not really anywhere close to Bill Russell, but you think about the eras in which they played and what he had to do in order to get his seventh, I, I think there's no doubt he is the best football player I've ever seen, and he could be arguably the best winner as far as team sports that we've ever seen in the history of sports. And not the most athletic, but what he does be train is he uplifts everyone. His leadership, his confidence that he puts on everyone else to make those players in that Buccaneers locker room. Bruce Arians brought it up. He arrives, and then automatically everyone believes, hey, we can do this here this season. And it really is all about the, the belief and what he's done. He's got so much clout. He's probably got the most clout 
uh, in, in the entire NFL right now because when you have him on your team, you truly believe that you have every chance to win a Super Bowl and, and to go to a team uh, like Tampa Bay, who nobody had on the radar leak going into the season, for him to do what he did without an offseason and, and with all of the restrictions and, and the, the wacky season that has been due to COVID and everything else, to, to pull this off, uh, I think it settles the debate with him and, and, and that coach in New England. And uh, you, you just start to, to really give him his, his props and, and anybody that you want to compare him to just stop because there really is no comparison anymore. You know, Arian's kind of being tongue-in-cheek. He said he really didn't do anything. You know, obviously relied on Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles and then Keith Armstrong, the special teams coordinator. But Jason Light said once they came to an agreement, he wanted every single phone number of the guys on the team. You know, not just offense, defense. And he was texting those guys uh, the night before the suit saying, we're going to win. I mean, you talk about leader. And one thing that came out of him playing for one year in New England so far – He's a coach on the field, and I don't know if Belichick allowed him to do that. Maybe more with the receivers and running backs, routes. But here, he was coaching also and teaching on the field, and you have to respect that. Yeah, in this case, one player did make all the difference for Tampa Bay to host that Lombardi Trophy in 2020. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report with you every Tuesday, 11 to noon, year-round, right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Let's go, everybody up. There's a first period, a second period, a third period, a fourth period. This is the Browns period. Let's go. Just keep running and picking and looking because there's going to be some holes created. We just, we're, we're getting it a little distorted right now, but we're going to be fine. You just got to have a little more patience and it'll be there. Okay. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam. Well, you've got Neil blocking for LT one more time. You got Rivers under center, left hash from the seven yard line of the Denver Broncos. And the handoff to Tomlinson. Left side, and he will gallop into the end zone. Charger fans are witnesses to history. I believe he is the finest running back to ever wear a uniform. Uh, that's how I feel. And I don't want to embarrass him, but for all the skills he has as a player, they pale by comparison to the person. 21 years as a head coach, had just two losing seasons. Stops with the Browns, Chiefs, Washington, and Chargers. Marty Schottenheimer, the eighth winningest head coach in NFL history, died earlier today at the age of 77. And B-Train, looking back at your career, and I know you had a couple of run-ins on the field with Coach Schottenheimer when he was with Washington and then with the Chargers, but known for basically a Marty ball, solid run game, good defense. When the name Marty Schottenheimer is brought up as someone that was on the other side and had to face Marty ball, what comes to mind? Character. That's the, that's the biggest word that comes to mind. He was a man of character. He was well-respected, and you knew – playing his teams, they weren't going to beat themselves. They were going to play a physical brand of football. They, they wanted to run the football. They, they believed in the, the, the offensive line and, and big bruising running back setting a tone. I remember Stephen Davis was a guy when, they, when he was in Washington. I actually uh, 
uh, separated my shoulder. I had a, a shoulder sprain trying to take him down. I just remember um, that, that offensive line being massive, and they really wanted to just maul you, and he really loved that. And uh, a guy that, that just uh, had a lot of success ultimately didn't uh, get to the mountaintop, didn't win a Super Bowl. I don't believe they even played for a Super Bowl, but uh, he was a guy that, that when you went against one of his teams, you knew you were going to be a little sore and bruised up come Monday, and 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 that's that's the, the greatest uh, that's the greatest respect that you can give to a coach, knowing that uh, it wasn't going to be dirty, but it, it was going to be physical. And 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 back in those days, that's that's all you wanted as a as a as a coach to to be respected in that way. And and uh, it's it's a terrible loss for the entire league. Two hundred career wins. He's behind Don Shula, George Hallis, Bill Belichick, Tom Landry, Curly Lambeau, and Andy Reid. Again, um, he was on the wrong of the stick twice. When you look at the drive and the fumble in back-to-back years, and then that year he went 14-2, and two, they ended up firing him because he wanted to hire his brother and they, they couldn't agree on the staff. Um, but what a, what a Hall of Fame person. Um, you know, he, he was in Cleveland – one play at a time, Kansas City, Washington, as you mentioned, the Chargers. Uh, he never made the Super Bowl either as a player or a coach. He was a backup linebacker for the Bills in 66. They lost the AFC Championship game. But I just love seeing all the outpouring uh, respect and support for Marty Schottenheimer. Yeah, the not reaching the Super Bowl was the only thing missing from his coaching resume. Five and 13. In the postseason and just, just could not get to that next stage. And, again, Dead at the age of 77, he'd been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease in 2014 and had not been doing well the last several years. In fact, before the Super Bowl, it was announced that he was in hospice care. So um, certainly wish nothing but the best for him and his family. The other loss over the weekend, and this is um, shocking to say the least, it happened uh, late Sunday night at the end of the Super Bowl, and this was totally unexpected. Pedro Gomez. Longtime ESPN reporter before then with the Arizona Republic, passed unexpectedly at the age of 58. He was around all sports. He's known more for his baseball work, but when he got to ESPN, you'd see him everywhere, including at the Arizona Cardinals facility. And I'd always joke that when he showed up, oh, something big is going on. We got the national team here, Pedro. But he always, MJ, had a smile on his face and always cared about what either, one, you were doing professionally or what was going on personally in your life. Yeah, he wasn't just a media member. He was a loving husband, father so proud of his children. His son, Rio, was his favorite baseball player. Um, Too young, 58. I mean, he was proud of where he was from, Cuba. He went back there and laid the ashes of his father and brother. I mean, this is a guy that covered Barry Bonds. I mean, that, that had to be difficult. He actually went over to uh, to cover the David Ortiz attempt assassinating case. Um, he's, he appeared in 25 World Series. And the fact that he was bilingual, he was able to pull off those interviews on the field. And then you're starting to see some of the uh, locker room celebrations where he was getting downpour. To me, it was a smile. It was uh, the smile when he smiled. And you you would always say, and he was here basically for Kyler Murray pretty much every day in his in his rookie year. Um, terrible loss. I pray uh, prayers go out to his family. And Beatrice, more than anything, he was always willing to help. Either an experienced 
broadcaster or a young up-and-coming broadcaster. He was always willing to lend his advice and his help in any way possible. I'm heartbroken. Uh, I knew Pedro very well. Uh, the, I remember him covering the Cardinals exclusively during the Super Bowl time, and, and I remember just having personal, private conversations with him since then, and, and any time that he would come to State Farm Stadium, we would have a few moments, and or he'd come to the Cardinals facility. Uh, it was always good to catch up with him. He always gave me a hug. He always asked about my family. I always asked about his family. we talk about things happening here in the Valley. We always talked about going out and catching something to eat whenever he was back in town. And um, to think that I just won't be able to, to hug that neck again or see that smile again, uh, I'm devastated. Uh, he, I can truly say that he was a friend and um, he was one of the best men that I've known. And I don't say that very uh, lightly. Um, you know, rest in peace, praise your brother. We love you, man. A tremendous broadcaster, but an even better human being. Not only a family man, but a friend. And wish nothing but the best. Our thoughts and prayers with the Pedro Gomez family. No easy way, but we will turn our attention now moving forward. One week's time, we will rejoin you here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Special thanks to those behind the scenes working hard each and every week. Our senior broadcast manager and producer, Jim Omohundro, technical director, Cody Fincher. For Bertram Berry, Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. This has been the Cardinals Red Sea Report with you throughout the year, all season long, 11 a.m. every Tuesday here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Middle of the field of the end zone. Kirk, he got it. He's in. Touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack. Stripped the ball. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown. Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.